Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. squadron they called him bullets but we call him greg kelly greg kelly is on the air on the red apple podcast network uh hello friday rain uh all this rain on the weekends is uh uh it's it's, it's mother nature it's no big deal i actually kind of like it it gives me a cozy feeling you don't have to go outside uh, I love watching movies with my children, even cartoons. I don't necessarily always love going to the park. I just, uh, you know, you gotta, uh, you gotta do things. You gotta climb on those uh, obstacles. You gotta actually climb on the jungle gym with them. And it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's kind of like it's a pain in the neck a little bit. I love my children so much. I like pushing them on the swing. Although it can make you a little bit dizzy. It makes the pusher of the swing a little bit dizzy. But anyway, I think it's going to be a nice uh, weekend home. Hey, they got the guy. Uh, Flippin's going to be here in a moment. They got the maniac who pushed that woman into the subway car. Well, that's good. Now, of course, it's just an allegation. We have to say that. Oh, to make matters even worse, (laughs) on his way to push that lady, what does he do? He jumps the turnstile. He doesn't even pay his fare. Uh, that's what we get, right? There's Alvin Bragg and the left. They decided that that's no longer a crime. You can, you know, actually paying, forcing people to pay, forcing people to pay the two seventy five, two dollars ninety cents, whatever it is, actually kept a good chunk of the riffraff the hell out of there. The idea that you might get arrested or stopped by a cop if you jump the turnstile kept a lot of would be criminals and punks and madmen. Out of there. And now, since uh, enforcing those laws is somehow uh, systemically racist or colonial or whatever they try to pretend this country is when it's not, you got all kinds of people uh, jump at the turnstile, Um, including me, actually. I had to do it once. I had to do it once. The train was right there. I swiped my card, and I only had 90 cents. Insufficient fare. Yikes. So, um, given, hey. What the hell? All right. I jumped the turnstile, but immediately upon arrival, I only had to go one stop. I, uh, I, I filled my card and I swiped it. Uh, I swiped it on the other side. So you swiped it without actually using the going service. for a ride, but I, you know, yeah. I made good on you my made thing. Good. Um, so yeah, you have to jump the turnstile sometimes in an emergency. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can't do it on, in, on your daily commute. Uh, especially if your daily commute is to, uh, uh, your job as a, uh, criminal. <laughs> You're, you're going to go to Midtown and uh, and shoplift for the afternoon. James yeah. Flippin. Hey, Greg. You, would, you wouldn't know that it's not allowed, by the way, uh, based off the six train stop up here on 52nd Street or whatever it is. I mean, the people just walking through the the emergency exit like as if it's as if it's nothing. I mean, every time I leave uh, five o'clock every day, there's like streams of people just walking in through that emergency exit. It's insane. Man, I'm feeling really guilty. A couple of years ago, I opened that door for somebody. I, that's happened to me before, I actually. Op- I opened the emergency door for somebody on the other side. 
who was, I can't remember, it looked like they were trying to find their uh, Metro card and they couldn't find right. it and the train was coming and the, I, I could tell the guy was like, Kind of, damn it, damn it, damn it. I'm like, hey, come on, get in here. Well, I mean, for me, it was more like I was going out with a crowd of people out that emergency exit. Cause in the morning, you know, it's really tough to kind of get out sometimes. And somebody was coming in. And what am I going to do? Slam the door in their face? I mean, come on. And I'm just going to say it. You know, I got to tell you, for a long time in this city, it didn't matter what color the other person was. It didn't matter what color you were. Everybody rode the subway together, right? It was the whole damn thing. But there's something. Extra special. I will, I'm just saying it. I don't know where this comes from, but these days, as tense as things are, when you have one person of one race and another person of none, another race, and there's an act of kindness, there's a, there's just something kind of beautiful about it. And I mean, yeah, extra beautiful. Now, I don't know why that is. I mean, we've all been, it should be just human to human, but there's something a little bit extra special these days when you see, like, you see, it's like, you know, it's, yeah, the media, the culture, they're talking up all this stuff, but we, the people, understand, you know, and mm-hmm. it's something, have you have you noticed, I mean, by the way, we're both Caucasian, and um, that's fine, but have you noticed anything when you, when your interactions with, uh, oh, you got, I got to give myself every silly caveat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever done anything nice for a black person lately, or vice versa? Just say it, yes or no. Have I observed that, or have I done that personally? Right, it sounds like you don't know uh, what the hell I'm talking about. All right. I, <laughs> I mean, I'm not really picking up what you're putting down, no. All right. When you hold the door, or somebody holds the door for you, mm-hmm. or you hold the door for somebody else, and they happen to be of a different race, mm-hmm. it makes it somehow just a little bit sweeter, just a little bit like there's an acknowledgement. I, 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 I see feel it in the yeah, eyes, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know what? Hope is not lost. Pushing past some of the what people are saying it's supposed to be like. The culture says one thing. The media say one thing. But you and I here on the street, we yeah. know it. We know it's not like that. I think, we, I, yeah, I do. I get that. I understand what you're saying. I I don't know if I've experienced that recently, though. Well, maybe you are you should be nicer to people I who, guess don't, I should. who don't look like you, James. <laughs> That's all the right. problem. So, wait. You came in here to tell me all about this, uh, the, the maniac they found. Oh, who is yeah. he? What's his name? What's going on? So, and how is the lady doing? 39-year-old. Well, she remains in the hospital, unfortunately, with a severe head injury. And I think it was like you said yesterday, the woman's life has been changed forever. Um, but 39-year-old Sabir Jones, Saber Jones, um, he was arrested while panhandling outside of Newark Penn Station yesterday. A passerby, I guess, recognized him from some of the news reports concerning the fact that he, you know, supposedly pushed this woman headfirst into the train. By the way, um, an underreported aspect of it maybe is that he also punched a guy uh, near that or at that same subway station. And the guy is in the hospital in addition to this 30-year-old woman that he pushed headfirst into the train. So Sabre Jones arrested in Newark. And is in custody for having pushed a woman headfirst into a train in Midtown. And how is she doing? Do we know her name? I haven't actually seen her um, identification, as a matter of fact. Uh, I'll have to check on that for you. Maybe hopefully get back. Do we know anything about her condition? Just that they say she's fighting for her life. Critical. Oh, man. And then if she makes it through, yikes, you don't know what's going to happen here. Right. Um, have you noticed this guy Trey Yinkst on uh, TV all the time? Do you like him? Um, I've seen him. Uh, I see his photo on social media a lot in terms I, of like, stand-up reports that he's doing there from Israel. He's got to get a different helmet. I think that looks like a German helmet. It looks like it looks like something from World War II. 
It, you know what I mean? Kind of like Hogan's Heroes. It looks like the bad guys. But Maybe. that's sort of this, that, that they came up with that, at the time, revolutionary style, right? Where it kind of goes down I'm, and kind of protects the back of the I, head? No. It, it, there's something, look, the very first thing I did when I became an embedded correspondent, when I knew I was going to be embedded with the troops, I said, because I had this uh, civilian, you know, stuff that we got from the, I don't know, some hardware store or some sporting goods store, a helmet and a flak jacket. I said to the troops, you got to get me something cool. Okay. I can't, I can't, I can't look like this. I yeah. look like, one guy said, I look like Magilla Gorilla when I wore the hat. I'm like, I can't, I don't know what, I don't know why exactly. Anyway, so I got something cool. I got a cool cami flak jacket and I got a real U.S. military helmet that looked cool. Not like, uh, they just, I don't know. And I, he seems a little, look, I understand apprehensive. And you know what? Very easy for me to sit here in New York, although you never know what could happen in New York, right? I feel like we're all in the battlefield a little bit. Yeah. I hope Trey stays safe. I don't have much to say about his reporting other than he can be a little bit dramatic. I do remember back in the day at one point, he seemed to be a little bit too, uh, I don't know, like we have, we have the Israelis and we have the Palestinians and, you know, we have the Israelis and we have the Palestinians as if it were like in, uh, the, the same moral, uh, plateau. Mm, mm. I don't see it that way. Uh, I haven't heard that criticism in a while, so I hope he's doing fine and I hope he's safe. All, uh, like all the other reporters, I do think they should, uh, uh, calm down the dramatics. All right. It's dramatic enough. You know, you guys are in a war zone, right? You're in, you don't have to like sell it any more than you do. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's what, quite frankly, they said made me a great war correspondent, right? Because I was kind of cool and mellow until like there was real stuff going on until it was real, you know, until it was real. And even then I kind of kept it under control. So um, there, there's a lot to be said for that. It, it, you can put anybody over there and they hyperventilate and jump up and down. Just, you know, there's a time I've hyperventilated and then I jumped up and down. I'm just saying, try to try to keep your wits about you. But can I ask you something about that? Given that you have that experience, you know, reporting from that kind of setting, what's the best way somebody can try to dig in on like what's real and what's fake? Because, you know, we've seen so much this week with there was the hospital in Gaza that was bombed. You know, originally there were reports saying, oh, this could have been an airstrike that came from Israel. And then it said, oh, no, it's a a rocket strike that was first fired from Gaza. Now we're reading about this Orthodox church in Gaza, you know, this this Greek Orthodox church that apparently there was a airstrike that may have damaged one of its walls. Right. And they, both sides are blaming each other. What, what are you supposed to do there? When you're a correspondent over there? Yeah. Like, how would you try to dig in on that well, when you were actually on the ground? One thing I did, and I didn't always do it, but I learned to do it. You know, there's a tendency to, and you get it from local news reporting, you show up in the morning and, and and you stand in front of some school, you know, where something happened the night before or something may happen that night, right? And you're just, or, you know, some crime and something happened again 12 hours before. And you're talking, you're not actually talking about where you are, what's happening, what's the mood like. Local news does that. It's wrong. It's bad. Um, but there's this tendency to always think, even correspondents, like wherever they are, the news must be somewhere else. Something else is important. Hey, man, you're in Gaza. What does it smell like? What does it look like? What is your day like? What do you? What is around you right now? What is that thing over there? Let me show you this. Let me show you that. I mean, anybody. We all have our Blackberries, our iPhones, Androids. You know, anybody can just watch what the AP is saying all day long and comment on it. You know, they took all that trouble to fly you all the way the hell over there. Um Tell a story. Go find something that you know and don't debate about the crap that we see on the Internet. We mm. can do that. You've got to do something else, something yeah. special, something That's a good different. Point. Right. 
All right. Did you see the Joe Biden speech? I did, yeah, I did see uh, that speech, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Well, it was a disaster and very, very wrong in so many ways. Look, uh, anti-Semitism is on the rise. We see it everywhere. And Joe spent more time talking about Islamophobia. Now, that's not on the rise here. I mean, I'm sorry, but we got uh, some radical Islamists giving Jewish people a very, very, very hard time. And some of them actually ain't so radical. We got ordinary boys and girls who went to high school in Chappaqua showing up and advocating for the terrorists. Uh, I think we needed to hear a bit more about uh, anti-Semitism. He gave it, what do we call it, lip service. Lip service. Let me see here. Cut one, please. This is, uh, wait, is this the thing I wanted to play? Uh, Cut one. We're facing an inflection point in history. One of those moments where the decisions we make today are going to determine the future for decades to come. More than 1,300 people slaughtered in Israel, including at least 32 American citizens. Scores of innocents, from infants to the elderly grandparents, Israelis, Americans taken hostage. As I told the families of Americans being held captive by Hamas, we're pursuing every avenue to bring their loved ones home. As president, there is no higher priority for me than the safety of Americans held hostage. That was probably like the high point of the speech, right? That's fine. That's that's all well and good. And then it starts to go off the rails. And he does what a lot of politicians do, bragging about all the money that's ours that he's going to spend, uh, talking about how there's too much hate in America, yet his allies like... Uh, the King Jeffries out there calling people on the other side a clear and present threat to democracy and that kind of stuff. When you're a clear and present threat to democracy, you know what that means? I'm going to tell you when we come back because i got to take a break. It actually means something that's very, very dangerous for a guy like Hakeem to be talking about. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, Jim Jordan just lost his third bid for speaker. Oh, the chaos. Oh, it's so intense. Oh, my God. What are we going to do? It's totally fine. you got to listen to these CNN guys. They are just so high school. It's like high school musical, right? Who's going to be the club president? Um, it's, it's, it's just not that important. However, Hakeem, who's supposed to be a nice guy, right? Hakeem. What a, what a nasty guy he turned out to be. He's a leftist loon. I always knew that. And I think the, uh, there's, uh, some anti-Semitic concerns we have about him, right? If he's, uh, doesn't seem to be, I don't know. I wouldn't, you know, runs in the family. But listen to what this guy said about Jim Jordan. I know Jim Jordan. I know him personally. I've had dinner once with Jim Jordan, not to drop names, but, uh, super nice guy. And he believes in the Constitution. He, he's just, it's not radical. It's not extreme. It's common sense. Listen to what Hakeem just said about him. Hakeem. Hakeem Jeffries, who's like the number two, number three guy in the Congress, right? And the minority leader. Um, go ahead. Of your people here this weekend to continue to block Mr. Jordan, that you have enough votes every single roll call vote this weekend? We recognize that Jim Jordan is a clear and present danger to the American people. And we are going to be here for as long as it takes to end this national nightmare. National nightmare, stop. Uh, you know, 
a clear and present danger. A clear. So for a lot of people, oh, that just sounds, uh, wow, that's really a powerful thing to say. Hmm, clear and present danger. But what does it actually mean? If, if, there's a movie, there's a Tom Clancy movie and book called Clear and Present Danger. What does that phrase actually mean? And, and you know what? He's not the only one saying that. There's this Judge Ludig, formerly smart judge, conservative, Trump derangement syndrome can be, I mean, can really mess up your mind. Listen to this guy, Judge Ludig, please. Go ahead. I have written, as you said, Chairman Thompson, that today, almost two years after that fateful day in January 2021, that still Donald Trump and his Allies and supporters are a clear and present danger to American democracy. All right. So what does it mean? That means you can break the law and suspend elements of the Constitution to stop whatever is presented as the clear and present danger to America. If it's a clear and present danger, that there's a law for this. There's, it's actually in the, the, the federal statutes that you can actually break and suspend elements of the Constitution to deal with a clear and present danger. What's clear and present danger is calling Trump supporters and people like Jim, Jeff, Jim, uh, what's his name? Jordan, a clear and present danger. Because that you're giving yourself the power to break the law to stop whatever it is you don't like. You know, it's one thing to say uh, Nazis are a clear and present danger, Al-Qaeda a clear and present danger. And, you know, maybe as a, as a society we want to, we have to, I don't know, we, we, <laughs> we have to suspend certain things for a finite amount of time. I don't know if that's right or wrong. That's a, it's a hypothetical, but I could kind of see that in wartime. Like in World War One. there was a clear and present danger and they, they actually kind of suspended certain liberties for a finite amount of time. Uh, but Jim, Jim Jordan, clear and present danger. You're going to start breaking the law to stop him. You see, you see how dangerous that is. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. I see. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, there's a great trend going around. Uh, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. It is uh, probably dangerous, so you got to be careful. But what they're doing is putting masks on, Halloween masks. Like, um, what's the scariest Halloween movie? I guess that's Halloween. And that little guy, uh, whatever, he was, uh, he was like partially murdered or something and he comes back and he hunts the whole town jamie lee curtis and he's wearing a hockey mask and the hockey mask is somehow it's very very scary so you got this guy wearing a hockey mask and he goes through various uh drive-thrus uh, and 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 it just freaks the people out 
<laughs> it's a hard enough job working at that drive-through. But uh, let me hear a little bit of that. Okay, go ahead, please. Oh my God! <laughs> so what is it? Right here. <laughs> I will haunt you. You gonna haunt me? That's great stuff. Let's do it. Uh-huh. Are we having a Halloween party here at WABC? We should. Uh, that would be great. I give those people a lot of credit. Uh, all in good fun. And uh, we don't want anybody to have a heart attack, though. All right. The other thing is, uh, speaking of uh, weak hearts, Joe Biden, ay, 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 that speech. I just got to make a couple of quick things here. Uh, number one, cut 21. Cut 21, please. American leadership is what holds the world together. American alliances will keep us, America, safe. American values are what make us a partner that other nations want to work with. To put all that at risk, if we walk away from Ukraine... We turn our backs on Israel. It's just not worth it. That's why tomorrow I'm going to send to Congress an urgent budget request to fund America's national security needs, to support our critical partners, including Israel and Ukraine. It's a smart investment that's going to pay dividends for American security for generations. Help us keep American troops out of harm's way. Help us build a world that is safer, more peaceful, more prosperous for our children and grandchildren. How about for each and every one of us, people alive, right? You know, we had that. We had that on <laughs> from 2017 to 2021. That's exactly what we had. The other thing is he's always spending money. He's just always asking for this, asking for that, spending it like it's not uh, our money, but his money. That's really a, annoying, isn't it? Um, then there was this cut 22. Here at home, we have to be honest with ourselves. In recent years, too much hate has given too much oxygen, fueling racism, the rise of anti-Semitism, Islamic phobia, right here in America. It's also intensified in the wake of recent events that led to the horrific threats and attacks that both shock us and break our hearts. Speaking very broadly, right? I mean, all the anti-Semitism I've seen. Half that speech last night was about Ukraine. Uh, so there's that. And you see what he's trying to do. Yeah, in recent years, too much oxygen, hate getting. That's all of his... That's his his fake critique of Donald Trump, uh, blaming him for all that stuff. It was the opposite, the total opposite. And Islamophobia, show me where the Islamophobia is. Why is he talking about that all the time? It was actually overhyped even after 9-11. There's this myth out there that, uh, you know, people of Arab descent were on the run. No, we're a bit more sophisticated than that, actually, in America. We are. We are. But it's an easy stereotype. So Joe goes with it. Because anything that diminishes America, he seems to be on board with. Cut 23. Today, Jewish families worried about being targeted in school, wearing symbols of their face walking down the street, or going out about their daily lives. And I know many of you in the Muslim American community, the Arab American community, the Palestinian American community, and so many others are outraged and hearty saying to yourselves, here we go again with Islamophobia and distrust we saw after 9-11. Here we go again? You know, this is a big uh, suck-up to the swamp. 
All right. He's, I mean, uh, and, and to the squad, the squad, they hate Israel. The squad, it's so anti-Jewish. This is all about appealing to, uh, the squad. And, uh, that is, and they're, they're coming from it at an anti, it's an anti-Semitic, uh, perspective. And it's awful. And talk about hate. What we heard from Hakeem Jeffries. All right. Let me skip to something else here. Uh, go to cut 29. Let me close with this. Earlier this year, I boarded Air Force One for a secret flight to Poland. There I boarded a train with blacked out windows for a 10 hour ride each way to Kiev to stand with the people of Ukraine ahead of the one year anniversary of their brave fight against Putin. And I'm told I was the first American to enter a war zone not controlled by the United States military since President Lincoln. With me. Even in this moment, it's about him. He's bragging. What the hell was that condition? What? You're bragging about what again? You not controlled by. Okay. All right. So that's uh, so it's special, right? Going to Iraq is somehow not special. Going to Afghanistan is not not special. But this he's trying to say is singular. And uh, what a strange man. Don't you think? Hey, uh, Lamar. Uh, hello, Lamar. That's a interesting name. Um, it's a classic name. Uh, you're in Manhattan. Lamar. You don't find too many Lamars in Manhattan, or do you? I can't tell if it's like really, is it? Well, think about it. Actually, the guy, the aristocrat in the shadow, his name was Lamar, Lamar Cranston. So it's a, it's a, it's an aristocratic name. So yeah, there are some here. Anyway, what's up? Well, I never took a survey of how many Lamars there are within a hundred mile radius of where I am, but I didn't call about that. You made reference to the declaration made by this person called Hakeem Jeffries in some Trump-hating man in a black robe. And you also said that uh, by using that declaration, they can ignore the law in confronting the perceived clear and present danger. But we know they've already broken the law. That's how this tyranny in Washington came to power. This is why tens of millions of our people who are aware of this reject the authenticity of that election. And my question to you, Mr. Keller, you're an educated man. Uh, My question is, since we know we live in a post-constitutional period where the law is ignored by what is known in the vernacular, uh, vulgar terms, the shot callers in this country, do you actually believe this fantastic story that the American people, by legal means, are going to be able to remove this tyranny? Uh, wow, Lamar. Yeah, legal means. All about legal means. I think you're talking about something that I'm not that... Uh... Uh, I don't know, man. I, I feel like you're you're pretty. Uh, uh, I don't know, Lamar. What are you getting at, Lamar? Yeah, I want to campaign like hell. I want to get the word out. I want everybody to be uh, voting and giving money and uh, writing letters and being active on social media. And I want people to, uh, you know, ballot harvest where it's legal and mail in voting when you got to and all that stuff. So I think we got to follow the law, Lamar. All right, we got to follow the law, the Constitution. That's a beautiful document. All right, Lamar. Yeah. Yes, sir. It is a beautiful document. But I would just like to say that the men who founded our country, our fathers, the founding fathers, were angry men. So angry that when confronting the tyranny of their time. Uh, they resorted to violence. Well, hey, Lamar, you know what? I don't want. Is it, we're not resorting to violence, okay? All right, Lamar. When you're talking like this, it gives the uh, the left all the fuel they think they need. 
uh, to, to start hassling, uh, us, uh, law abiding, right? I mean, I, I, I don't think we're the, all right, calm down. Hey, by the way, are you really in Manhattan, Lamar? You sound like you uh, grew up somewhere else. You don't sound like a New Yorker. Well, I'm originally from just outside of Baton Rouge, but I am a New Yorker. I've been here for several years now. What kind of business are you in? I'd rather not go into what I do for a living, Mr. Kelly. All right, fair enough. No problem. Um, well, hey, man, um, just cool your jets a little bit, all right? I'm getting a little bit nervous about you, all right? I mean, all right, all right we're going to follow the law. Hey, let me ask you something, Lamar. Have you written any letters lately? Have you given money to your preferred candidate? Have you been posting on social media? Or is your business interest so sensitive, so delicate, that you're afraid to take a stand and give me your name on the radio station? Okay, that's fine. You don't want to say anything about what you do, but are you are you are you publicly doing what you are constitutionally allowed to do? Well, I'll take that as a big fat no. I'll take that as a day. You gotta write your congressman. You gotta write your governor. You gotta write your power of the pen, my friend. You're making noise. You're vibrating in a way, you know, talking about, I don't know, I don't know what you're, I, I, I kind of know what you're talking about and it scares me a little bit, Lamar. Mr. Kelly, you know what scares me? What scares me is that an unarmed woman who served her country for I know what you're talking about, Ashley Babbitt, man, and you and I can both be in Infuriated about that, and I am, and we are. I mean, look, I'm doing whatever I can to help, and that will legally someday be resolved, and there will be justice. All right, you're telling me that uh, you know what you're trying to say here. I think, okay, George Floyd died, right? Was that somehow did that authorize the looting and pillaging of uh, American society? No, and neither does Ashley Babbitt's death, quite frankly. As much as I grieve for her, you know, I want I want the lawsuit to succeed. I want Michael Byrd someday to be arrested. I, you know, it's, it's sometimes justice takes a long time. Anyway, Lamar, we'll leave it at that. Remember, I want you to write letters. I want you to remain peaceful. I want you to sound off on social media. I don't want you to be so precious and shy about who you are and where you are and what you are and what your real name is. Anyway, Lamar, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Good luck to you. Um, what else? Any thoughts, Diego? Hey, look, he was very courteous, but I found him to be, you know, oh, you know, I think he's making noise about something and we don't want to, you know, right? Yeah, I don't I don't believe he was in New Yorker. I think he was Southern. Oh, well, no, he said he was uh, from Baton Rouge and uh, and he moved to New York. Where's Baton Rouge? Louisiana. Oh, well, that makes sense. You never you never saw uh, Brady Bunch? No, I did not. It's where Cindy freezes and she doesn't get the quiz right. Uh, or maybe it was Bobby. Bobby and Cindy both went on uh, game shows when they were kids and blew it at the moment of of truth. They really did. Uh, a couple of other quick things here. I saw a man on a bridge, and he wanted to jump off, and he was suicidal. And you know who went up there to talk him out of it and save his life? Two cops. Two police officers. They go all the way up there, and they got the cables, and they got the, you know, the hooks, and the they they got all this equipment, and they go all the way up there, risky for themselves, and then they have the psychological tools to talk the guy out of it, and to say, you know, life is worth living, no matter how bad it is. You're not going to solve anything by jumping off this bridge, and uh, they successfully talked him out of it, and I just it it gave me a flashback when Joe Biden said out loud. <laughs> 
that we shouldn't be sending cops um, to cases where someone wants to jump off a building. We shouldn't do that. And it was so prejudicial and so ignorant as if in his, you know, brain that stopped growing in 1972, the cops are just going to show up and start blasting, right? Every, every, every problem is solved with a gun. This is the, these are the lies that the left tell themselves about, um, about the police, about law enforcement. And, uh, that's, that's awful. I just thought that they were so good. So good, these cops, what they did. Hey, we're going to have a great law enforcement day. Support the blue, back the blue next Wednesday. Special guests and festivities and events all day long here at uh, the radio station. It's going to be awesome. Uh, one other thing here. Cut 28, please. Cut 28. Let me be clear about something. We send Ukrainian equipment sitting in our stockpiles. And when we use the money allocated by Congress... We use it to replenish our own stores, our own stockpiles, with new equipment. Equipment that, defeat, that defends America and is made in America. Patriot missiles for air defense batteries, made in Arizona. Artillery shells manufactured in 12 states across the country, in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Texas, and so much more. You know, just as in World War II. Did you hear that? Today, patriotic America. Isn't that something? Up. Talk about the... Talk about the military-industrial con- <laughs> complex. All these weapons are made by companies, and uh, people are making money off of the weapons. And, yeah, it's good for American business to be uh, feeding the Ukraine war. You know, I, I, I'm uncomfortable with that, aren't you, right? That's a little bit – that's a little – I know that that goes into the calculation sometimes, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And what does Ukraine have on Joe Biden, huh? I mean, talk about sticking your neck out. What does he have? I mean, that is where Hunter worked, right? That is where the Biden family made an estimated $17 million. All in on Ukraine. Can you figure out why? Be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, I think in the shadow, by the way, Orson Welles, I think his name was Lamont Cranston, not Lamar Cranston, Lamont. So Lamar may or may not be an aristocratic uh, name. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure about that one. Uh, hey, two American hostages abducted by Hamas terrorists in early October have been released. Um, Fox News has this in response to Qatari efforts. Qatar, some people say gutter, but it's Qatar. Al-Qassam brigades released two American citizens, a mother and her daughter, for humanitarian reasons and to prove to the American people and the world that the claims made by Biden and his fascist administration are false and baseless. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, what about all the other women and children that you guys took? I mean, I saw it. I, we, we, we saw it. Let's see here. Um, yeah. yeah, there's still plenty of people still being held hostage. How many again? Armed terrorists took, uh, Hamas took at least 203 people, including young children and the elderly, captive and killed hundreds more during that early morning launch of uh, Operation Al-Qusa Flood, they call it, October 7th. Well, I'm glad that two, two Americans are out. Uh, we need them all out and um, uh, rescued or um, they turn them over. I don't know, but um, all right. I'm glad that they're coming home. And what was the other thing? We got that. Oh, we got the judge threatening to put 
Donald Trump in jail, not like after conviction or uh, like if they want to convict him, obviously. they No, they couldn't even convict him. It is that state case about the valuation of Trump properties. The worst thing that can happen to him if uh, he loses the case would be fines or uh, losing the business license and a bunch of other things, but not jail. The judge, Engeron, that total freak who was laughing and giggling in the courtroom, says that he wants to put Trump in jail because Trump made fun of his law clerk. The judge's law clerk, uh, Trump made fun of her, implying that or just outright saying, hey, what's Chuck Schumer? What Ch- what is Chuck Schumer's girlfriend doing in my courtroom? And the clerk to the judge actually uh, worked for Chuck Schumer. And Chuck Schumer is one of the, I mean, most brutal, vicious, partisan, anti-Trump people in the world. And that's a valid question. It's a totally valid question. All right. He's having fun. Are they boyfriend, girlfriend? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Doesn't really matter. But what is a staff member of Chuck Schumer's doing working for the judge in this case? You think it might be evidence of a partisan, a partisan witch hunt? Yeah, I think so. I think most people would think so. So Trump put that on uh, Truth Social and then the judge said, you better take that down. And Trump actually did, but apparently, it was also on the campaign website, and it's still on the campaign website, and they want to actually put Trump in jail for not taking that part down. I'm hearing from the Trump attorneys that this was inadvertent, and uh, but talk about overstepping, right? I mean, on the judge's part, you can put somebody in jail for making fun of a law clerk. This is still America, people. It's still America. Uh, all right, real quick, I'm curious. Uh, Alex, what's up? Hey, Greg, uh, you mentioned about the cops and that they should be dealing with suicide situations. Joe Biden, you know, wants that we should have, you know, a different, you know, force of people doing that. I think the reason why Joe Biden said it is because of, you know, racist stuff. And uh, I think that's wrong. But Racist but stuff on his that- part, right? Yep. And I think, you know, he's implying that the cops are racist, but I think that we should have a separate, you know, task force dealing with suicides because we don't really need the cops to do that. They do a good job, but, but, but they're being overwhelmed with suicide cases. I don't know if they're being overwhelmed. Let me ask you this. How, so you, you want to form a new entity, a suicide squad, literally, that takes care of suicides. Actually, when we have, we have so many cops retiring here in New York City and we can use, you know, all the cops that are, now uh, and doing in the job. Uh, in the meantime, I do think you need crime. an armed person to do it. I think you have to be armed. You have to be specially trained, emergency service. I mean, who the hell else is going to risk their life to talk somebody out of committing suicide? Person. Who, Why do you who, need an armed person? Wait, How about wait, 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 wait. Who in the municipal government is going to risk their life for uh, a stranger who wants to kill themselves? Name a municipal employee who also has the skill and the training to do it. Well, we, we just we have to open a new, uh, you know, yeah, I know, a new, a new government thing, a new government thing, new money, that kind of thing. No, I don't think so for a number of reasons. We have, and it's being, I, uh, you know, there's also this: the more you talk about suicide, and that would actually receive a great deal of attention, the more you encourage suicide. It's called suicide contagion. That's why I don't like talking about suicide all that much. There's not been one case of uh, of a cop using his gun. Anyway, the cops know what they're doing. Let's leave it to the cops. Thank you. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. 
The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, you know, the release of the hostages by Hamas um, to a mother and daughter from America. It's a uh, very cynical move. Look, I'm glad they're gone. I'm glad they're free and I'm glad they're safe. Uh, we've got uh, 200 others, but it's a it's a dirty move. Um, I mean, a dirt, the dirtiest thing is taking them. But this is a very cynical uh, thing to kind of legitimize their cause and to legitimize, ooh, they're they're reasonable after all. And uh, I've seen it throughout history, sometimes in some great movies, actually. Anybody ever seen Nighthawks with Sylvester Stallone? There's this great scene where the madman terrorist is murdering people left and right, but uh, he releases a child hostage, a little baby, and Sylvester Stallone rescues the baby, and everybody in the media eats it all up. And, ooh, wow, isn't this, maybe this guy isn't so bad after all, that kind of stuff, all right? They don't care about the baby. They don't care about the mother. They care about their uh, their agenda, which is eradicating Israel, eradicating uh, genocide of the Jewish people, all right? Uh, don't forget that. Don't fall for it, all right? We want everybody to be safe and all that stuff. Of course, of course we do. But there's something weird going on, and um, what would you what what do we expect? It's Hamas. It's Hamas. Uh, there is all kinds. I'll get to it in a moment. Well, wait. Actually, Randy Weingarten. Randy Weingarten. Last week's physical assault by Turning Point USA operatives on ASU professor David Boyles is a new low in the ongoing attack against higher education. Now, this is Randy Weingarten giving Turning Point USA a hard time. Um, what you can totally understand right now is that Turning Point, Turning Point USA is um, on the right side of this. Okay, I don't believe a word of anything that Randy Weingarten has been saying in the past 10 years. She's gone totally mental, Fruit Loop crazy, all right, and it, just insanely woke and weird and anti-child. And Charlie Kirk from Turning Point USA, yep, he's good here. He calls it out. Randy, you're a pathological liar. The professor is the attacker, and this is easily proven by watching five seconds of the video. You've also done more to sabotage children and prevent them from succeeding than any person alive. You're a repulsive cartel leader who should be investigated. Uh, Man, I think... uh... (laughs) I think Charlie uh, won that little skirmish, don't you? And, man, I, you know what? What he's talking about with the children, I mean, my gosh, she was so pro-lockdown. She was so pro-lockdown and setting children back years, years. We may never actually catch up. Uh, or it'll, it'll take, it'll take generations, many, 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 uh, generations. So there's a letter out there that, um, you know, the, those eight congressmen who really didn't like Kevin McCarthy? And they organized it. Matt Gates led the charge. I consider Matt Gates. I like Matt Gates a lot, and I admire the spirit uh, that he um, that he had. And Kevin McCarthy, career politician, I wasn't impressed. 
And I'm not panicking because we don't have a speaker. That's what the fake news wants us to do. I'm panicking. Well, not panicking, but I'm more troubled by the border. I'm more troubled by our loss in Afghanistan, the signaling of weakness uh, internationally, and all these bad things are happening because we have a corrupt weakling in the White House. And everybody knows it, and they're taking advantage of it. Hey, do you know that our soldiers were hit? We have soldiers, a small contingent of soldiers and Marines, in Syria and Iraq. Something like a 1,000 to 2,000 total in both countries. And Iran has been shooting missiles at the bases. It's getting no attention. You know, they did this when Trump was president, and Trump took out uh, that general, that Iranian general. Don't mess with us. And the opposite is happening now. Everybody's messing with us. So the eight congressmen who pushed out McCarthy... Now we're having trouble getting a successor. It looks like Jim Jordan is not going to be the guy. They wrote a letter, and they're actually volunteering to like drop out of 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 the Republican Party if that's going to make anybody happy. All right, listen to this. This is by this is from Ken Buck, uh, Bob Good, Nancy Mace, Matt Rosendale, Matt Gates, all these people who voted against um, Kevin McCarthy. Dear colleague. The recent passage of the motion to vacate the Speaker has caused rancor, hurt feelings, and acrimony in the House Republican Conference. While we stand by our actions, it is our goal to proceed forward with our colleagues, our teammates, our fellow Republicans, in a manner that embraces reconciliation. Hmm. It has been suggested the conference cannot move forward until there are consequences for each of us. While we violated no rule or of either the House or Republican conference, we understand some in the conference wish to punish us. This is a very interesting letter. The actions we took were never about us. They were to change Washington for the better. The House needs a speaker, and we have a speaker-designate in Jim Jordan of Ohio. Therefore, if the holdouts who refuse to vote for the speaker-designate Jordan would be willing to vote with the team and elect him the 56th speaker. We are prepared to accept censure, suspension, or removal from the conference to accomplish this objective. We remain proud members of the Republican Party as nominated by our respective districts. What unites us as Republicans is more important than our disagreements. We must now come together to elect Jim Jordan. We offer this sincerely and with the hope of unity with purpose, our fidelity to Republican virtues and principles remains unwavering. Sincerely, and all those guys I just said, Matt Gates, Andy Biggs, Ken Buck. Well, that's one hell of a gesture. I'm, impre- I'm beyond impressed. This is a beautiful thing. This is really something. This is... Is it a publicity stunt? Is this a gimmick? I don't think so. Now, they're not offering to be suspended or kicked out of Congress. They're not saying that. Just kicked out of the Republican club, basically, that they have, the conference, which is an unofficial thing. I don't think it's an official thing. Well, whatever. It's a nice gesture. And if that's the holdup, maybe would that satisfy somebody? Would it? I mean, sooner or later, we do need a speaker. But I'm not losing sleep over it, right? So we need that. 
it is kind of annoying the whole situation, and I think Matt Gates may be feeling the heat. I've been I've been feeling a little bit because I've been like, yeah, 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 this is great, and I kind of assumed that they would be able to get a new speaker in there, but just because it's seventeen days, it's parliamentary. Matt Gates told me himself, hey. Congress takes off six weeks every summer. Six weeks. Do you get six weeks vacation? Nobody gets six weeks vacation, but they do. What a weird, what a weird system that is. Um, who is, who is Noya Dan? Does anybody know about him? Who is Bruna? Oh, these are, all right, I'll get back to that in a little bit. These are the uh, folks who were, uh, yeah, gunned down by Hamas. Absolutely horrible. We stand with Israel. Anti-Semitism is real and must be stopped. And I wish we had the same passion from our corporate overlords uh, that they had uh, for Black Lives Matter and uh, celebrating the life of George Floyd. The passion and the unwavering support they showed, Black Lives Matter, where is it now when we need it for Jews everywhere? There are, there are more Jews in New York City than there are in Jerusalem. Did you know that? That's, I mean, and the Judeo-Christian values, and and we have Biden warning everybody about don't be anti-Islamic. When nobody's being anti-Islamic, Russ in White Plains, yeah. Hi, Greg. My question is, is the Israeli general captured during the Hamas attack on the IDF army post? Is he a hostage or a POW? But before that, Greg, do you think that you were, when you were bullied... Hey, wait a young, second. Stop for a second. Is he a hostage or a POW? That's right. an interesting question. Um, is he a hostage or a POW? Interesting. Uh, what were you saying about me when I was bullied or I bullied... What? Well, you've talked about... Before, when you were younger, you were bullied in school, and I wonder if... No, that... no, 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 no. I said, yeah, I was bullied a little bit. I also said I was a bully. Right. I mean, you only hear about people complaining about being bullied. I mean, there were no bullies. I bullied a couple of people around. I regret it. I feel bad about it. I remember I I actually bullied somebody with special needs, and I was making fun of him, and I was just, oh, look at this. I'm getting laughs from the crowd, and it was uh, it was actually in Breezy Point at a big ball field. And I was like eight years old, maybe nine years old, and I'm making fun of this kid. And then the mother shows up, and wow, I'll never forget it. She shamed the hell out of me, and I deserve it. I thank God that she showed up, you know, and talk about an, a lesson, a lesson. And I, you know, uh, anyway, uh, so what, 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 why do, why do you want to know more about this? Greg, because I want to know if my mother has to talk to you about bullying callers. Thank uh, you. Uh, you know, Russ, yeah, I mean, what the hell? It's it's a voluntary. You're you're turning up for it. You 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 still you live with your mother. You sound a little bit too old for that, right? He still lives with his mother, Russ. I mean, come on. I think you bully the people of Israel, and I think it's time you move out of the house. You got to move out of the house. And this is how I talk. I'm a New Yorker. What do you want? Oh, you want it all genteel? Listen to classical music if you want, all right? Listen to, oh, that's a very interesting point, Russ. Tell me more. No, half the time you come up with something uh, borderline racist, always anti-Trump. And, yeah, I'm going to give you a hard time. And I don't make any apologies about it. I don't like you, Russ. I don't like you one bit. Yeah, I still let you talk for some reason. But more importantly, I love you. I do love Russ. And I love his mom, too. I love people. 
no matter even my enemies and especially my enemies. They are some of the most, you know, I go on Twitter and I'm always putting it on. I don't put it out there like I used to because you can't, uh, you can't. My wife took my Twitter away and it's all very official. It's all retweeting stuff. I don't, I can't, you know, I'm not allowed to make fun of anybody anymore. I can't insult people. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't point out the hypocrisy. I, all I can do is, promote things you know watch my show listen to this do that buy that book nobody wants to hear that we come for an argument we come to mix it up a little bit like you adam hello hey how you how you doing today sir fine fine what's up i got two two things to say i was driving to the airport because i'm in the parking lot now because of course i got to work and I and and I'm like, why is the damn traffic going so slow on Seventh State to get to the belt? And it's a Palestinian convoy with flags out. You know, I, I guess they were beeping, and I guess they wanted support or something. But that's what held me up. I kind of laughed at that, but also, sir, you know, I, I appreciate you saying that because when I was younger, I was like, I got bullied before, but I was a bully too, like you said people that was littler than me and stuff like that. But you grow out of that. That You know, I would never do nothing like that as, a, as an adult. Thirdly, sir, could you talk about Cheeseboro pleading guilty today and why Rudy lied yesterday on your show? Guys? Stop could it you- with the Rudy lying. Stop it with Rudy lying. Rudy, Rudy is, my God, they are messing with the wrong guy. He's a fantastic lawyer. And here's what happened with Cheeseboro, all right? Because Cheeseboro, all he did was write an email, all right? He wrote he wrote his ideas down about uh, the Constitution, and this is America. You're allowed to do that. You know why he pleaded guilty? You know why? Because they were threatening to come after him uh, and his law license. The man went to Harvard Law School, and they said, "This is the bar committee. This these are this is not judicial. This is extrajudicial." You want to practice law again? You will plead guilty. And they'll, they'll make sure it's a misdemeanor, not a felony, and you can practice law. They will come at, just like they're coming after Rudy. Rudy did nothing wrong. Zero. Zero. I can't wait until he's fully restored. You're gonna, it's gonna be magnificent. Um, but with Cheeseboro, yeah, he wants to practice law again. If he doesn't have a law degree, I mean, if he if he's a Harvard law degree, he can't be a lawyer. What the hell is he going to do? He's forty eight years old. He can't learn a new trade. He can't learn how to drive a bus or a tractor trailer. Or, you know, he doesn't. Know, that's what he knows. And they would have taken it away from him. And shame on them. Just sh- what they are doing. I mean, a, a lawyer who wrote an email, and the email didn't say let's burn down America. The email said. You know, I see the Third Amendment this way. I see uh, the Electoral College that way. I think you could do this. It's thoughts. It's a thought crime. A thought crime in America? Yeah, it exists. So I think it was a practical decision that he had to make for him and his family. Um, it has no uh, no bearing on us, though. I'll be back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, man. You know, it's very easy to find a doctor to come on TV or the radio. Doctor, an MD, a medical doctor. You don't, you ever notice you don't see dentists on TV ever, almost ever, right? Dentists, you don't say, I need a dentist right now within the last minute. I mean, like 40 seconds ago, 
I was chewing on a um, a lifesaver, and it broke my temporary crown. I got root canal. I had root canal a week ago today, I think. Yeah, a week ago today. And you know what they do? They cut off the top, and then they pull out the dead nerve, and then they put a temporary crown on. And I got to go back to my regular dentist to get it done. And that temporary crown just came off. And my, I got like little plastic pieces. And is it going to hurt? Is it going to start hurting? It doesn't hurt right now. I had a feeling this was going to happen. It didn't feel like it was. I felt like I, mm, I can't handle like dental pain at all. And do, is this like a dental emergency? Those things exist. Those things actually exist. I got to call my dentist, Dr. Z. He's a great man. Uh, never did this before. I got to call the office. Um, and all I want to do is run my tongue over the tooth because it feels so weird. Oh, shoot. I don't have time for this. I think it's a dental emergency. And I may have to leave premature. If it starts hurting, if it starts, somebody tells me it won't though because the nerve in my tooth when you get a, when you get a root canal is dead. Right? All right. So we'll take a look. Hey, Jim Jordan has lost the third time, and there's a report. I don't know if I buy this, that he has withdrawn his name and he is no longer uh, running. Now, I don't know if that's true. I think it might be just a negotiation ploy. Uh, we have this new letter from the eight, and they're still interested in uh, running. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Hey, do we want to hear from Megan Kelly? We love Megan Kelly, right? I know, I know. She's got her detractors out there. I still think she's amazing, and I think she has a huge political future. Uh, she and her husband, Doug, great people, and she's a magnificent broadcaster, and she's got that big uh, Megan Kelly podcast. Uh, I want to hear what Megan has to say about the Israel stuff. Cut 11. That's who Hamas is. That's who these assholes on oh these college God. campuses stop, stop. are. Oh, my God, stop, stop. I didn't know. I didn't know. Man, man. The podcast. She lets it rip. This is broadcasting. You can't use that foul language. All right, Megan. We still love you. Greg Kelly. Entertaining and informative. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, what's going on? Uh, More important than my tooth. Let's see here. All right. Diego, I just sent you a video. We're going to put it into the system. It's from the House Oversight Committee. Breaking news. Representative James Comer says we have found a $200,000 direct payment to Joe Biden. And Congressman Comer lays out the money trail. Now, we don't know uh, the source of the uh, we'll, we'll know it as soon as we get this video in. And it looks like it came from. All right. I'm just looking at the thing. Uh, AmeriCorps LLC and went to James Biden and then it went to Joe Biden. I wonder if this is the thing that I've been waiting on. I knew that there was something big that was coming. Is this it? It's un, 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 unusual for the House Oversight Committee to say breaking. It's breaking. We have found a $200,000 direct payment to Joe Biden. Are we ready with this now? Yep. All right. This is uh, this is James Comer, Republican of Kentucky. He's the chair of that committee, and he's a good guy, and I trust him, and I believe him. Let's go. This summer, Joe Biden said, where's the money? Well, we found some. We're still digging into evidence subpoenaed from bank accounts belonging to Hunter Biden, the son of President Joe Biden, and James and Sarah Biden, the brother and sister-in-law of the president. 
A document that we're releasing today raises new questions about how President Biden personally benefited from his family's shady influence peddling of his last name and their access to him. Bank records obtained by the House Committee on Oversight have revealed a $200,000 direct payment from James and Sarah Biden to Joe Biden in the form of a personal check. Here's some important context about this check we've obtained in our investigation. In 2018, James Biden received $600,000 in loans from AmeriCorps, a financially distressed and failing rural hospital operator. According to bankruptcy court documents, James Biden received these loans, quote, based upon representations that his last name, Biden, could open doors and that he could obtain a large investment from the Middle East based on his political connections, end quote. On March 1st, 2018, AmeriCorps wired a $200,000 loan into James and Sarah Biden's personal bank account, not their business bank account. And then on the very same day, James Biden wrote a $200,000 check from this same personal bank account to Joe Biden. James Biden wrote this check to Joe Biden as a, quote, loan repayment. AmeriCorps, a distressed company, loaned money to James Biden, who then sent it to Joe Biden. Even if this was a personal loan repayment, it's still troubling that Joe Biden's ability to be paid back by his brother depended on the success of his family's shady financial dealings. Some immediate questions President Biden must answer for the American people. Does he have documents proving he lent such a large sum of money to his brother? And what were the terms of such financial agreement? Did he have similar financial agreements with other family members that led them to make similar large payments to him? And did he know that the same day James Biden wrote him a check for $200,000, James Biden had just received a loan for the exact same amount from business dealings with a company that was in financial distress and failing? The House Oversight Committee will soon announce our next investigative actions and continue to follow the money. The bank records don't end here. There's more to come. Bam! Wow! Wow! And I'm looking at the check. I got the check right here. I got a check from James Biden to his brother Joe for $200,000. Handwritten. Woo-hoo-hoo! Sarah and James Biden pay to the order of Joseph R. Biden Jr. March 1st, 2018, $200,000 and zero cents. Loan repayment in the little memo. (laughs) This is... Dynamite! Dynamite! Wow! I love it. I love it. I knew it was going to happen. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Wow! Look at this. Let's print up this check. I got to put this on my Twitter right away at Greg Kelly USA. Just the check. Just the check without any. Without any comment, just the check itself, because it speaks volumes. I mean, it speaks, this is so bad, and this is so good at the same time. 
Hats off to James Comer. AmeriCorps Health, LLC. Now, what in the hell would they be doing paying James Biden that kind of money? What skill does James Biden have? None. He knows how to be Joe Biden's brother and brag about it. And I can open doors for you. But, you know, Joe is a greedy guy. We can all see it. Oh, man. Well, you know what they're going to say? Well, there's no problem with a brother paying his brother $200,000. Oh, yeah. I love my brother. I think the biggest financial transaction we ever did involved maybe $50. (laughs) And he still owes me 50 bucks. Wow. All right. All right. Hey, we got to get Rudy involved. All right. I want to talk to Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor. Oh, he's not in today. Andrew Giuliani will be here. How about the judge? How about the, let's see what it's doing on Twitter. Has it been banned? Nope. It's making the rounds. It's just taking off. This is brand new piping hot right off the presses. New evidence shows a $200,000 payment from James Biden, a business partner of Hunter Biden, directly into Joe Biden's personal bank account. Biden has repeatedly claimed there was an absolute wall between him and his family's business dealings. That's right. He has said it. And even when he said it, I knew he was implicating himself. This is like, no, it's always separate. We've kept everything separate. We always made sure it was always separate. I'm like, well, what's the it? You know what I mean? What do you, what's the it? That you're keeping separate. What are you doing that has to be kept separate, right? You see? All right. I'm impressed. I'm actually pretty excited about this. Hello, Tony. How are you? Hi, Greg Kelly. Listen, this is great. I'm so excited to see that check. I thought I was going to pass out from excitement. It's beautiful, isn't it? It is amazing to see. It really is. So cool. It's so cool. And what I was thinking about last night when I listened to the president is that he has no moral code. And this this whole thing, what he did is he's giving away all our cash, giving away our borders, saying how scary war is. And he's the most corrupt person around. And this is the person. And what do we find today? This is like the cherry on top of this beach is what it is, because that beach showed what a lot. What a what a creep he is. You know what Dwight Eisenhower said, Greg? He said, without God, and he said, no mention of God last night because he has no morality. Dwight Eisenhower said, without God, there could be no American form of government nor American way of life. Recognition of the supreme being is the first most basic expression of Americanism. I love the it. By the way, is- are you sure Dwight Eisenhower said that? I, I always thought it was like Ben Franklin or one of those guys. Dwight Eisenhower said that? Dwight Eisenhower said it. So this man is like a moral, depraved person. And this is what I was thinking when I heard the speech. Give away our money. Give away our land. And now we see the check. This is the cherry on the cake, Greg Kelly. I love it. <laughs> it really is. Oh, gosh. It really is. Hey, you know what I predicted? I predicted smoking gun evidence by the end of October, October 31st. What's today's date? Uh, 19th, 20th, 22nd? 20, what is it? 20th. With 11 days to spare. Well, uh, and I think this will be an, there will be an avalanche, an avalanche. Now, they will also try to ignore it. Let me, you know, let me look at the news right now. Yeah, they're all talking about some lawyer you never heard of pleading guilty to a, 
to a misdemeanor in Georgia. <laughs> they're, t- they're talking about everything but this, but this is too big. They can't ignore it. This is, this is big. Tony, thank you. I'm glad you were here for this moment. I'm glad you called in. I, uh, you know, write it down. This is, uh, this is, uh, things are shifting very, very fast. This is going to happen quick. I think, I do believe. Uh, wow. I love it. Tony, thank you. James Comer. Okay, what should we do next? We got this stuff. We got this stuff. We got this stuff. We got this stuff. First thing I got to do is put it on Twitter. All right? That means I got to text it to my wife. And look at this check. Look at it. It's just a regular old check. You know what I mean? It's a check. It could be for $100. could be for $50. But here it's for $200,000 from his brother to Joe AmeriCorps, the distressed rural lender, paying James Biden that kind of money. No way. Mm-mm. This is it. This is it. Um, all right. Do I have to regroup? I have to, I have to control myself here. I don't know where we, by the way, the other thing is, uh, $200,000. That's an interesting number. Why $200,000? $200,000 was wired to Joe Biden's house from China. Uh, uh, the actual house. It was wired to the house. That was the beneficiary address. You got to put down a home address. I guess at the wire. Usually you pick up the wire from the Western Union downtown and you got to put it, pick up an address. Like if you don't show up, they'll bring the money to your house. And the house was Joe Biden's Greenville, Delaware mansion right outside of Wilmington when Hunter wasn't living there. It was, oh gosh, it's all there. It is all there. And the fake news must start doing its job. Um, Diego, are you moved by this? Do you think it's, I mean, am I overreacting here? I don't think so, man. This is, uh, anybody can see this and everybody can say, you know what? Uh, uh-uh. uh, brothers, you know, from a working class lunch pail, Joe does not get a $200,000 check from his brother and he's in no business, the poorest man in Congress to make a loan to his brother, is he? I mean, I, I don't really understand um, that much about it, but I will say this. It'd be funny to see Joe Biden in handcuffs. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, you're getting a lot. You're even ahead of me. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be. Well, you know, it'd be sad, too, at the same time. You know, a real blow to American prestige. But this guy, this guy deserves. You know, it's funny. What was in that memo? Remember Trump? I mean, Michael Cohen spent like $30,000 or $110,000 on something. We know what he spent it on. And Trump paid him back. All right. It wasn't influence from a foreign country. It wasn't some money from a distressed creditor in the Midwest. Barbara joins us. The wise Barbara. This is a, an important moment. Thank you, Barbara. You're in Indiana, I see. Uh, I'm in Indiana, yes. What do you make of this? Uh, it's incredible. It's incredible. And I can just see the the fake media spinning, spinning, spinning with the phone calls, with the emails back and forth, how they are going to treat this. And if they can't find a way to spin it the way they want, they just simply will not report it. And that leaves the reporting wide open to our true media, to you and to the people that you deal with and the people you influence and to Newsmax. To report this and keep saying it again and again, and for all of your listeners and your viewers to spread it out to our network. That's so important. Very much so. You can go to my Twitter. I put the check up there right now. The check is there. 
Um, just a check. And I have two words, smoking gun. <laughs> now, uh, it's a hot gun, at least. All right. This is, uh, I mean, and we have all kinds of uh, evidence of, 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 oh, and Bobolinsky. Remember what Tony Bobolinsky said about this guy? Uh, James Biden was bragging. Uh, we have, we have, um, what do they call it? Plausible deniability. They always set it up. So there's plausible deniability. Well, this is quite a moment. Quite a moment. Barbara, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for everything. Hey, by the way, that Tony said that Eisenhower said we need faith to have the government work. I like Eisenhower. A lot of things I like about Ike. But did he say that? I thought it was somebody else. I know he said several things about the importance of God in our nation, and he believed that. So I have not heard that quote. I certainly haven't heard it from Franklin. But I would believe that Eisenhower would say that because he believed that and he lived his life you know, with that belief for his nation. Many of our founders, even though they weren't perfect men, they did have perfect faith in God and perfect faith in a final judgment that everyone would face. And so they lived their political lives accordingly, setting our country up for that. And so I believe that Eisenhower may well have said that. We know that Adams said that our country was, our constitution was made only for moral and religious people. And if we go through the uh, quotes from our founders again and again, they emphasize that our politicians must be moral people. After all, how can you expect a man to make good laws if he has no fear of God? Amazing. Amazing. Barbara, thank you. Thank you for being here, always being here. I will point out that none of the major networks, and this isn't just something that somebody posted on some blog or whatever. This is from the House Oversight Committee. This is from James Comer. All right. This is a guy who's moved very, very methodically, deliberately, and uh, in, in not in a sensational way, but this is sensational information. And I'll tell you right now, guess what Fox News is covering? Not this. All right. Not this. Um, they're talking about, yeah, it's a big story, but nothing's happening right now in Gaza, right? We're still waiting for the invasion. And they're playing video right now that I saw three days ago. And then they got a little thing up saying, oh, 3 p.m. Eastern time, State Department briefing. What about that Fox News, huh? This is a big freaking deal. Uh, and it could, we, we, we're watching history unfold right now. Uh, it's amazing. It's an amazing thing to see. And I appreciate it. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for your faith. And um, wow, huh? Wow. Give me a moment, please. Thank you. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, I got to um, wrap things up. Uh, I got to figure out what I'm going to do next with this check and this smoking gun information. And uh $200,000 from Jim Biden to Joe Biden in check form, personal check form. $200,000 goes to an account of James from a place called AmeriCorps, a distressed financial lender. What the hell are they doing paying him for uh, anything? James Biden and James Biden turns around and gives the money to his brother, Joe. <laughs> All right. I got to do some stuff. It's on my Twitter at Greg Kelly USA. The, uh, the check itself. I got to get the heck out of here in a moment. Uh, turning things over to Andrew Giuliani, the son of the great um, Rudy Giuliani. Andrew, a great guy in, in, in of himself, great broadcaster, White House veteran, and ran one of the best campaigns uh, for governor in 
2022. Is that when the election was? About? It seems like a long time ago. Was it? Was it 2022 or 2021? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was just like uh, he's a natural at it. He had one of the greatest politicians uh, che- uh, teaching him, Rudy. All right, I got to go. But uh, some of you have been on hold for a long time. Uh, TJ. Excellent, excellent afternoon. Uh, I called about something else, but that news was wonderful to hear. Um, I, I wish I could pull over and crack a bottle of champagne. Um, I was just thinking, though, uh, what's going to be the payback? Uh, another outbreak of some fake disease, uh, some other lockdown, because they're not going to take this lying down. They got caught with their pants down. And just one point, uh, Greg, how about the mayor and the governor stop talking out of both sides of their mouth? Fire these Cooney and Sunni professors. They're disgusting. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Yeah, some of them are there. Anti-Semitic uh, trash. Uh, that's what they deserved. Okay, let me go to uh, Joanne. Hi. Hey, Greg. I, I'll talk real quick. I wanted to say, and I'm going to put politics aside now, too, tell you something real cute. First of all, when you were looking for the two words and you thought of them real quick, smoking gun, I wanted to say to you, bite this over the over the check. That's what they'd like that, no? What? But, Bite this. You know what I mean? A sarcastic remark about the check. Secondly, bite okay, you this. Too. I think that bite. takes the bite out. Bite this. Bite this. I've never heard that as a bite me. I've heard bite me, but, you know, I don't know. Bite this. All right. That doesn't work, Joanne. Uh, what else? Important, more, more important. More important. Do you remember when you were with Rosanna Scotto and you were such a shy young guy then? What happened to that guy? But anyway, what the hell are you talking in. about? I was charismatic. I was witty. I was off the cuff. I was... I was running that uh, three-ring circus with my partner there, Rosa Shy. What are you talking about? We were, we were creating television history. All right, listen. I don't like the bite this, and I don't like that characterization. Did you ever watch any episodes? All right, I grant you. In two thousand eight, season one of the Good Day New York show, I was still figuring it out. What the hell, you know? What? Uh, how the hell to do morning TV? Um, and uh, I got a little bit bashful for a little while because. There was a lot of media attention that I wasn't expecting, but I got used to it real quick. Um, thank you very much. And uh, all right, Charles, real quick, he's up by the prison in Fishfield. Uh, listen, listen. Earlier in your in your program, there was what? a Democratic congressman. Yeah, I know, Hakeem Jeffries. What about him? Gordon. It said that he's a clear and present danger. Yeah. To our country. Why doesn't a Republican congressman? Give him a retort and say, well, listen, sir, I think you're a clear and present danger to our country. Right, somebody should get elected and run down there and say that to Hakeem Jeffries. You're a clear and present. Look, I don't think you rearrange the rules to stop Hakeem Jeffries. I don't want to do everything that they do against them, all right, that they do against us. Thank you. See you later.